I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. We are listening to The Stew Food Podcast by me, Jason Stewart, and Andre Conaparo. That's me. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, doing good, man. Feeling it. Yeah? Yeah. How are you feeling? Feeling great. We got hiding behind that bottle. Nothing? Oh, man. You know, I just saw that little sneaky sneaky. It's for, uh, I'll unveil it later on. I'm it's excited. A, it's a gift that I got you. I'm excited. I don't know if you're going to know what it is. Well, whatever it is. I'm going to thank you in advance for that sweet gesture. You got me a gift? I got you a gift. I did. Do you want to tell them what gift I got you? Or if you... It's a Del Scorcho hot sauce rubber keychain. So good. It's very, it's very well done. What surprises me is that it's just... like So, so de- for people that don't know, Del Taco has a fairly decent merch website. Like you can get hacky sacks and t-shirts and... Um, <laughs> You can order all their sauces by the hundred, and they come in a tote. So you can get like a hundred packets of Del Scorcho for mm-hmm. like three dollars, and it comes in its own bright orange Del Taco tote, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But they have that little rubber keychain, and it's it's like an incredibly perfect replica of a Del Scorcho packet in a very sturdy like rubber keychain, well crafted. Yeah, no expense was spared. So you know, if you have a friend who wants that, why are there not more? Like that rubber technology used for more sauce packets in the world. How does that one guy who came up with this was like didn't pitch it to every fast food chain? He's like, look at this, this is good. Yeah, you, if you had one of those in the in the In and Out Secret sauce, yeah, in like a, oh, all man. the Chick Fil A sauces, for sure. you can bring it with you wherever you want. Just saying, but I'm glad you liked it. Could be a necklace. Yeah, it was great. Two very large door knock, semi door knocker earrings. <laughs> Man, if I, if I met a girl who had Del Scorcho earrings at a, maybe at a certain point in my life. Mary. It's a lot. Um, so last, last week I was in New York. Yes, a this whole podcast is going to be based about what you ate in New York. No, it's Which not. is good because I won't have to do much lifting. But we, we can talk. We can, we can definitely talk about that. I did not go to New York for a week and eat at a bunch of crazy restaurants. So why don't you start <laughs> us off, Bobo? I went to Bobo. It's a restaurant. Uh, that Mario Batali has had since the 90s, I guess? Yeah. It's like his like OG, like, and it looks it's like his it's his first restaurant, 90s. I think. It's his, yeah, I mean, it and seems like it. It has that, as far as I understand, that pedigree of being like basically great every year. There was no year where they're like, Babo is dead. Mm-hmm. It's just been great every year and continues to be great. I think, I think a lot of that is probably because of the service. It's one of those spots, like New York. I think like Mineta Tavern is like that too, where right. like you could tell that the crew has all been there for years and they're they're at the top of their game. And <laughs> we're drinking a cider that will go unnamed that we got, and it's pretty fucking bad. It's not good. <laughs> I wish I could say the name, but because I'm a little devil, but I'm not gonna do it. Don't be that devil. Don't be that devil today. Um. Yeah, because the the food and the decor and everything is pretty outdated, mm-hmm. but it's kind of in a good way. Like I felt just like I was in the '90s in there, so much That's fun. fun. But but uh, the the winner the winning part of it is the the quality of the ingredients is probably sure it, it doesn't get higher. Right. So they're they're making like older stuff, '90s ass dishes. That are not as dazzling as as a current spot would have, but just you could tell well, the quality of everything was. You say it's it dazzling. Doesn't get, it doesn't get better. Or do you mean more like trending? Because it's like trending, I'm making meatloaf yeah, tonight. Tonight, it's going to be great. <laughs> but mm-hmm. meatloaf is an old ass dish that's not very exciting. That's so true. Kind of like meatloaf but, is but, great, but meatloaf is not dazzling. But made well, it's as good as. I mean, so it's those kind of like those pasta. I think pasta. Have you ever had a dazzling meatloaf? 
But I mean, I think pasta is one of those things where there's so much memory of, of flavor and taste and, and things that you like. And also, I mean, like a Cacio Pepe is the simplest. Bravo. And one of the greatest. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many timeless pasta dishes that mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, it doesn't, it, it's not that it can't be, but it's not necessarily intrinsically a forward thinking food. It's mm-hmm. so steeped in history and it's just, it's, I think in that way that you can have uh, a red sauce pasta place that's been open since the 50s and hasn't changed, and if they hit the stride then, it's still great now. Right. But th- and thankfully there's enough people right. who appreciate that to keep it o- alive. As opposed to the trending things that you saw more, like, say, in the 80s or 90s. I love, I love to always mention the salmon mousse. But it's like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that was, like, uh, you know, on the cutting edge... That's, All the American that, psycho ass food. Yeah, that stuff's gonna. You know, it's not terrible, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna be as comforting, it's fleeting, and it's not gonna be as as timeless as something like an mm-hmm. old Italian pasta recipe. Yeah, maybe maybe Babo was doing a good, like a perfect job of having one foot in the legendary classic tradition legacy dishes with just a perfect little subtle amount of modern stuff. I mean, I've seen mm. I've seen the beef carpaccio with truffles when it's truffle season, and it's crazy. That's what I had. I know. I didn't. I I mean, and it, it couldn't have been more of a simple dish. It was just a white plate with flaps of beef on it, black olive truffles oil. on it, a little bit of olive oil. Yep. That couldn't be like olive oil that you. It was it's normal like nice olive oil, but it doesn't. You can't get a, a nicer one. Like, you can't buy one that's more expensive. It's just, like, so good. Well, you don't want it to distract either, right? Like, you don't want, like, a real, like, super heavy, like, bitter olive. Sh- like, you want something more buttery and, and kind of, like... It had it had some evened. bite to it still. Yeah? It was, it was pretty funky. Mm. But it just... It tasted very luxurious. But, man, it, it was one of those dishes where it almost just tastes like nothing. What else did you get? Wow, you really sold that dish well. <laughs> For all those out there, it's um, nothing. And, and it costs $48 uh, a plate. So get two. It, it, no, I know. I know what you're I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm saying. Right. But it almost like everything was so strong and well balanced that it almost, everything almost canceled each other out in some weird way. What else did you eat? I also had, uh, had a bunch of bunch of like weird little pastas that were nice had some it was all just like standard stuff you know right just regular was there risotto on the menu did not get a risotto was there a risotto there i think so yeah maybe yeah i haven't made a risotto in forever risotto is great i feel like i used to make it kind of decent it's so easy the only thing that you ever need to know about risotto is no i guess two things gradually add the stock as needed and always have the stock like simmering, mm-hmm. like the way that you destroy and make a horrible risotto is basically adding like cold to room temperature stock, which seizes all the starch and just stops everything from cooking. Mm-hmm. And then like you'll never get like a nice al dente risotto because you're cool- cooling it, cooking it, cooling it, cooking it. Mm-hmm. Starches come out and just becomes so gummy he, and gross. So when you see on TV where they're making the risotto and they have the separate small pot of the stock on the burner next door to it, I would always watch that and be like, do you really need to do that? <laughs> like, that's the only thing you need to do with risotto. And then basically you can... Risotto's one and of those great... stir it. Yeah, and stir it. But risotto's one of those things Forever. It's like a frittata or a pasta where it's like, it's a great thing to make when to clean the fridge out. Mm. Where you're like, mm, got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of vegetables left over from last week's farmer's market. Mm. Just put, it's the same thing. It's great. Yeah, just put it all in there. Zazzle it up with some olive oil. Olive oil and parmesan. Salt, garlic. Pecorino. But, uh, throw in all your leftover truffles. Mm-hmm. Just crumble some Ritz crackers on top. All the pig's feet. Bake it. Smart. Um, I went to pop-up, like a little pop-up dinner that chef flynn flynn mcgarry the our child chef friend (laughs) he had some crazy shit i'm sure this is the first time i've had a full meal of his like where he's really doing his thing yeah so it was so weird to watch him he he basically did everything himself there was it was um 
it was like 10 people there and it was like a 12 course dinner and i think and he did everything by himself and everything was like perfectly were you timed out. seated at the table or are you hanging with him in the kitchen and there was like a, kind there, of eating as it came it out. was just 10 people like lined up on a at a bar yeah so everyone was in the same zone they watched him cook and you're one of those 10 yeah dang yeah. Must be nice. Everyone gets yeah. Everyone like gets their own individual plate at the same time, and you get the explanation of what it is. How so? What's his crew? Obviously, he's doing anything himself, but like, has he got? He has one other guy who does one. the wine. Wow, just the wine. Just the wine. Is he serving? Yeah, serving in the wine. No, he or Flynn like plating, does it. Every, Flynn, wow, yeah, that's impressive. And cleaning. It was, it was a lot of work. I was blown away. Wow. To be doing all of that. Shadow Slim, but he doesn't need it. He's a star. <sighs> Shadow Slim, but he don't need it. He did, um, one thing I liked was, like, in the in the service between the, the savory and the sweet, like, when he, right before he switched to dessert. He just did a song. He did a John Mary cover. He, uh, <laughs> he, he pulled out of, like, a steam box these, like, kind of, kind of looked like a, like a Versace plate. It was, like, a very nice, like, gold foil plate. And then on the plate was a gold-colored towel that had been steaming in jasmine. And then everyone got this towel and that you, you know, like the sushi, like hot towel before you eat your meal. It was like that, but like a very luxurious, like spa version oh, of it. Oh, you're eating all of this up. This is so Jason Stewart for our listeners. I mean... This is the shit you live for. <laughs> I, I mean... And it's dope. I'm not saying I'm not knocking it, but like this is like so... <laughs> Like, just Jason inside baseball. But it's one of those... Th- yeah, it's a glimpse into my mind. But, like... And it's you, very cool. When you go to a sushi restaurant sure. that you've been to a hundred times, and you know, like, oh, hey, what's up? You say hi to the, all the people that work there, and they, a couple guys might recognize you, whatever. You know that you're going to get a towel. Mm-hmm. But when you go to a new sushi place, and you don't know if you're going to get the towel, you don't. it's not even on your mind, and then they bless you with the towel, I'm instantly in, a, in so much of a better mood. We need to make a stew T-shirt that the back says "Bless you with a towel," because <laughs> that really should be the name of when this you pod. Get the blessed. description of every podcast is "Bless you with a towel." When you get blessed with a towel, an unexpected hot towel, and it's been scented delicately with the flavors of jasmine, it's very dope. Holy no, I mean Lord. like that. Let's go back to Equinox. This is a food podcast. <laughs> when I took that yoga class, and I've oh, done a lot of yoga classes. Okay. The instructor was like, I have three different essential oils I want to start the class out with. Raise your hand if you'd like one, and I'll come by. And then she like dripped it into your hand, and you cupped it and smelled it. And there was like one for you know, kind of getting invigorated, one for <laughs> relaxing, and one uh-huh. for kind of like opening your mind. And I was like, that's like next level shit. Like that never happens in my yoga classes. Although I also like my yoga classes more. But like that is, that is a flex where it's like, this is very cool. We all want to know what, what flavor did you go for? I got the invigorating, which was like lemon. <laughs> it was like a citrus lemon with maybe some sage and something. Lemon pepper? Yeah, it was lem- I got lemon pepper Cajun. You got, <laughs> I, got Bo- a- I got asked her if she had Bojangles, and she said, I have it, but I don't usually offer it's it. It's in the car. Uh, that's and actually for our premium members. So she just sprinkled Bojangles on my tongue. Dude, if we invented lemon pepper essential oils, no one, no, no one would like it. No one would buy it. No one would buy it. Or you're like writing it. this down, right? <laughs> yeah, Please yeah, tell yeah. me you're recording. Like, Ugh. disgusting. Damn. Anyways, so okay, so Flynn's meal. Um, so other than the towel, towel very sick. The uh, they had there's a lobster dish. It was a black plate. Damn. It was like a very like goth you have my like attention destroyer sure looking ass plate enjoy the silence enjoy the silence depeche mode ass plating service um butter poached lobster and it was on top of rhubarb barbecue sauce so we made like a nice like a barbecue sauce out of rhubarb it tasted like like orange chicken sauce it was like Sick. Like thick and gloppy and citrusy, but sweet and sour and all that shit. Lobster on top of that, which is already fucking weird. And then he made a fruit leather out of charred plum. 
So the it looks just like super thin leather on top of the lobster, so you can't see it. So it's like black leather on top of a black plate with the lobster inside. And then there was burnt eggplant puree with white currants on top of that next to it. And it was just like the weird, it was one of those dishes where you look at it and you're like, this is not going to fucking work. This is just like one of those cosmetic vanity dishes that looks cool but obviously doesn't work. But I don't know how, but it totally worked. It was weird. Awesome. It was bizarre. That's kind of like, that's, I, I feel like that's what he does. Yeah. He plays like, he plays at that level. Mm-hmm. He was in the show. He is in the show. Yeah. It's cool. Um, he did, he did like a, a duck confit as well. Mm-hmm. And then, but at the end, he mixed the confit with, with fish sauce and cilantro. So it kind of had like, yeah. it was, I've never had, never had that before, but it took like a weird, it went from like a duck carnitas feel to just like, like Filipino pork, pulled mm-hmm. pork level or something like that. I want to try that at some point. I mean, and that's all I had. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff that was crazy. Sure. He made a sauce out of shrimp heads. Uh-huh. Which is my favorite food of all time. It is. And I don't know how he did it. It involved, like, chemicals and butter and whipping and stuff like chemicals that. Chemicals meaning to break down, like, the... Like adding some sort of glucose. Like in Breaking Bad where you have to melt the body. Like he had to yeah. like melt the shrimp head at some point with something. Yeah, it was, like, dark web stuff that he had to get... <laughs> He had to get Bitcoin to buy the chemicals he needed to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why. That's why Flynn's a boss. That's how the the good stay great. Yeah, <laughs> this is the dark web. Mm-hmm. John and Vinny, dark web. <laughs> by f- all those restaurants. Vinny, <laughs> dark web. Mm. Still have not been back to John and Vinny. I mean, we had a friend. I haven't. I've never been because I've I heard. Kind of mixed things, but we had a friend who went so fantastic, and now I want to go. Maybe really liked it. It's such a, such a weird thing, man. I mean, it's hard for me to get to Fairfax because I don't like crossing Western. So, like, to get to Fairfax, it's like, well, there well, gotta be free candy or something. Yeah, is there somebody granting wishes down there? Speaking of candy, you gave me some nerd ropes yesterday. Yo, nerd ropes is the world's greatest. <laughs> There's my so life. much going on in a nerd rope. And it goes back, though. I'm biased. Okay. All right. <laughs> Full disclosure, my favorite Halloween candy when I was a kid was the mini box of nerds. Not a big daddy box. The mini one. No, the mini one was just the one. Like, it was just so cool. So is that why when tiny. I come to your house and look in your candy closet, you have only the mini boxes? Because no. it's like a nostalgia thing for you? No, I think it's because my wonderful girlfriend bought a giant thing of my favorite candies at Easter, which was like... Small packages of nerds, runts, gobstoppers. That's where I play. Don't go for the. Cho- <laughs> I don't go for the chocolate. I don't go for. Like, that's where I play. Yeah, that's like I like the. Like, I don't really know anyone else who eats gobstoppers. I mean, you should ask more people because you're gonna get yeses. The what was the oh runts runts. I, I mean, my favorite runt is the banana runt. You're a monster. <laughs> It's the worst candy ever invented, and I throw it away. That's I never the, eat a banana run. The banana run? It's runt. gone. I'm going to save them all for you. The banana you, run? You're going to get a hefty bag of banana runs. Try like this on for size, Andre. Ugh. Banana run, I will go so far as to saying, is the only run I like. That's <laughs> crazy. Dude, the heart, strawberry, cherry, whatever runt that is, uh-huh. great. I mean, it's a great run. It's lonely at the top when you're a super taster. Like, certain things like that. No, you're not, one, you're not a super taster at all. <laughs> and two, the, the, universally, the banana run is known as, like, the trash abortion of all candy. Hey man, a lot of people don't like durian, foie. Like, we're, we're different, you know? <laughs> well, I, here's the good news. You're going to get so many banana runs all the time. Yes. I'm just going to meet you at the gym with banana runs. I want a bag of yellow. Bag of yellow. <laughs> Um, but the nerd rope, the nerd rope is just the pinnacle of of nerd candy. The yeah. texture, the flavor, everything's going on. It's fun to eat, and it's like the whole nerd rope, which seems like f- four servings of candy, is like seventy calories. Mm-hmm. Snickers mm. bar is like two thousand calories. It's not, but it's like I mean, a Cliff bar is like two fifty. Yeah, a Butterfinger is like three fifty or four hundred. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God. Wow. For our listeners at home, we just got a glass of Ciroc, peach, and soda. Uh, this is going to be a... Delivered to us. Like we're at the at the club bottle service this is gonna, style. This is, this is, it's a little early for all of this drinking right now, guys. But well, that, and speaking of a little early and all this candy talk, I brought you a gift. Oh, here it is. Oh, my God. Uh, for listeners at home, this is medical cannabis hemp milk, vanilla flavored. Wow. It's vanilla, vanilla hemp milk. Servings per container, one. So this is, you just take this to the head. You should not take that I all to the head. I should not take this to the head. No, 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 no. You should take... Should I go to the OC fair and just drink all of this at once? No, if you drink all of that, <laughs> you're going to like wake up in, in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> it does say servings per container, one. Maybe that's the calorie thing. Broken down, 72 calories. This is wild. I mean, so give it a try. Thank you for this. Pop I'll put this in, in the, my morning coffee tomorrow. Put it in the smoothie. Put it in your coffee. And, you know, that'll probably last you a long time. This is crazy. Did you get it at Green Wolf? No. It was a gift from a friend. And I was like, I don't do drugs. I'm giving this to Andre Conoparo, <laughs> the only <laughs> friend I know who does so many drugs. <laughs> I do all of them. I, all of them. <laughs> um, I can't wait to try this. You don't have to try it also. Oh, I definitely will. It tastes great. Um, thank you for this. You got it, my friend. When I was in New York, I went to Chef's Counter Club. Have you heard of it? It's, um, it's like a, this pop-up sort of rotating cafeteria restaurant business plan, which I think is such a good idea. But it's like a small cafeteria, and there's like maybe 10 things on the menu, and each thing on the menu rotates seasonally. So when you say cafeteria, do you mean like hot tray, kind of like you're bringing your plate across and saying if you want something, they scoop it on kind of thing? It's... Like Clifton's? It's kind of like that. A little it's, bit. It's somewhere between that and a regular restaurant. Okay. But you, there are, it is like people making things in a cafeteria setting, and you have like the plastic tray, and you put like pull up, and they put your things on that. And, mm-hmm. But it takes a while. It's not instantaneous. But they have... Um, I like that. Like Egg Slut was there. Like they'll idea. have each, each thing on the menu is from a different chef all over the country. That's funny, because I was going to ask, like, this sounds like what Alvin's trying to do a little bit with his space down in Chinatown. Yeah. It but is. I guess not a cafeteria, but just trying to rotate seasonally in different chefs, and which has worked out really well and very cool. <clears throat> I had maybe the, the the best grain bowl I've ever had in my life there. That's saying a and lot. And it was only $10. Wow. In New York City. What? It was, it was, it was like a vegan grain bowl. It, it, you can spend $10 at a fast food restaurant without blinking. I know. That's crazy. It was the cheapest thing on the menu, and I was very reluctant to try it, and, and my friend said it was great, and it, was, it really was great, and it was super filling. Like, I could barely finish it. What was it? It was, like, quinoa and beets and these little, like, chimichurri cream sauce. and One of those things where you describe it, it just sounds kind of whatever, but when you're like, but you had to try it. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. insane. It, it had, so had perfect. a little southwestern heat to it, mm-hmm. I will say. Mm. It was amazing. Um if, so if you're in New York, go get a grain bowl at Chef's Counter Club. But like Egg Slut was popping up there for a while. And then like some infamous Sicilian pizza places there right now as well. Mm. Doing like those square slices. Oh, wait. Okay. I, I've not been, obviously, but you know, I've read about this because that sounds familiar. I think like Tasting Table did said something about it or something. It's freaking tight. Um, what have you been cooking this week, Andre? Well, I was in Monterey. Mm-hmm. And in Monterey, we have a big green egg. What's a big green egg? It's a Komodo-style barbecue that's like really... Th- well, let me think most people I know I just took my it, first but... sip of peach Ciroc and soda, and it's going down real nice. Oh, God. Oh, no. What does it taste like to you? It tastes to me... I haven't tried it yet. It, t- it kind of just tastes like a like Gatorade. Like a... Oh, it, just t- it tastes like soda water. Like it a tastes like a soda water. Yeah, it tastes there's it no. It tastes like a peach liqueur. This is dangeroso. I call this a Bill Cosby. If I was a teen, I'd be in trouble. This is ridiculous. Well, luckily, cost prohibitive can't be <laughs> because <laughs> it's too expensive cheap, for young children. When I was when I was in New York, the Uber driver had a laminated drink menu in the back seat. 
that and I pulled it out and I was like, Oh, do you like work at a bar or a club? You have this thing back here and he's like, No, you're sitting in it, baby. And it and it had like five different it was basically just like alcohol and airplane bottles. And that's because he's a it's a limo, technically or something? No, no, no. He was just, just a hustler. Straight bootlegging. He's just straight up bootlegging. And oh. and and one of the menu items was P. Diddy juice. And I was like, What I'm sorry, sir, what is P. Diddy juice? And he's like Coconut Ciroc. <laughs> and it, it's just a, it's just an airplane. How much bottle. was it? It was five bucks. That's it? That's it. But he just literally hands you an airplane bottle of, of Ciroc pineapple vodka. And like a a can of soda water? No. Or it's just the airport. Just the airport. And I was like, is it is this legal to sell alcohol to people in your car while you're Ubering? And he's like, it's it's only illegal if uh, if it's open. Right. And then he goes No, it's very illegal because he like the license to sell alcohol. Oh Hell, no. Like that well his explanation I, was it's only illegal if if it's an open container in the car. See, look, that's like <laughs> I told you this story, but it was like when I was on that flight to Vancouver and the guy in front of me in line at security was like, Yeah oh, man, I got busted with all this weed on me. I'm like, What are you talking about? He's like, It's cool, I've got a card. <laughs> I'm like, you got a card from where? You're in like an airport. Like, it doesn't matter where you've got a card from. That's like mm-hmm. some bootleg logic as far as like, it's not an open container, so I can definitely legally sell you alcohol for <laughs> profit without any license or anything else, ATF. Well, when I, called, when I told that to him, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure this is legal. And he kept stressing that, the open container thing. And I was like, well, how do you, like, how do you police that? Like, how do you know what what's going on? And he, he's like, if it ain't open, it's closed. And that was his only answer. He seems like a guy that should do my taxes. <laughs> I mean, moral of the story, New York, New York is a very cool place where you can do stuff like that. I also love that he kind of, like, tried to get creative with the names, and it's just a bottle of alcohol. Where it's like, P. Diddy Juice, what's in it? It's this bottle. <laughs> You're like, but it's yes. not like mixed with like all kinds of infusions and there's some kind of fun like Mary J. Blige twist or something, you know, like what's going on? He's like, no, it's just a bottle of coconut Chirac and it's Yeah, you want to be like, here. all right, one part simple syrup, one part passion fruit juice. All right, what's in the Mishama Gowan twister? <laughs> oh, that's just Jameson in a bottle, sealed. Don't open it. That's Jameson poured into a hat? Yeah, and poured into a rotten tooth. <laughs> Okay, so you got a big green egg. It's a Komodo style grill. Yeah, so it can, and what's great is it's the vents are really well designed on it. And also, the, what is a Komodo style grill? Does that mean like a ceramic or a barbecue? It just means a really thick ceramic barbecue, so it retains heat kind of like in a way that you would imagine the best pan in your kitchen is your cast iron because it retains heat so well. Like the scales of a Komodo dragon. So we've got the the really large one, like the XL. They might even make a bigger one now. Must be nice. But this one weighs like, I don't know, 600 pounds or something. I mean, it's incredibly heavy. <laughs> yeah, like I can't, like it's so heavy, it's on wheels. Um, it Actually, came in parts and had to be assembled because it couldn't be delivered, put dude, together. Dude, Eddie, Eddie Wong, at his house, he has one of those. Yeah. And he, and he lives up, like, four flights of stairs where he did before. Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck did you get this big green egg up here? And he's like, I paid, like, four dudes yeah. to just carry it up because yeah. there's no other way to do it. Yeah, they're so heavy. And because it's all ceramic, the walls are so thick that once you get it to temperature, once you heat it up, I mean, it's it stays warm like that forever. But the, the point is also not how hot it can get, but also how long it can continue contain its temperature so if you're smoking at like 250 or 200 it takes very little fuel to keep that temperature consistent mm. you're using wood you're using charcoal because it's a you know it's a barbecue it's not a gas grill so that kind of heat and that heat retention in there is incredible for keeping something at a low temperature but the venting's incredible that you can get like the dome temperature up to like six seven hundred um mm. and it came with a pizza stone so i did so this thing's probably pretty cheap right it's not cheap. It was a, it's, so it's at a fa- it's at our family house, and it, we all decided not to get each other Christmas presents one year, and all bought that. Mm. Um, That's such a good family move. Oh, that's great. All of our listeners out there, do stuff like that. It's just smart. So get a yacht. 
<laughs> and get a yacht too. Boat. It's a great investment. It pays <laughs> for itself in the first year. It's just smart. Um, but yeah, so did some flat irons. I mean, nothing too fancy. Really nice flat iron steak. Um, do a little chimichurri. Salsa verde. What did I do with it? Oh, no. Mustard. What I did was I got some pizza dough, cut it in quarters, and got it really thin, and then kind of like the the nice, crispy, kind of like bread. Mm. I don't know what you call. Like a super crispy flat bread. Yeah, like a flat bread kind crunchy, of Crunchy, Italiano. Like what we focaccia. did at Dew's House, shout out Dew, on the rock box. And that's like what I want. <laughs> that's my go-to now. I want to serve, like, anytime there's bread involved, if it's not going to be really specifically, like, crostini, really thin, crackery, kind of light flatbread is the seat. Like, seems like the perfect. Yeah. And then so. Then you hit it with a little olive oil, mm-hmm, a little rock garlic. I think what would be really good, I kind of like, it was thrown together because people came down to visit, but like macerate a little bit of shallot and some lemon juice and then mix in a little olive oil and a little garlic and have that kind of just be brushed mm. on. That was with the steak, then did some local salmon. Can you use like a bunch of thyme as the brush when you do that, please? Sure. I've, I've done that on lamb legs. Mm. Works real nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the funnest thing I did on there was probably the, the flatbread on the pizza stone that comes with it. It's like a, it's just so How well long designed. does that take to cook? I mean, it cooked. A of I think it cooked better in the rock box when we did it at Dews, mm-hmm. but it came out pretty good. It took probably a couple minutes longer. Like at Dews, I feel like it was in that rock box. It was like no more a than minute, a minute. A minute. No more right? than a minute. This was like two, three minutes. The problem too is that it's because you want that dome temperature to be coming off the top and the bottom. This is a traditional barbecue style. It's almost like a Weber to mm-hmm. an extent where like you're lifting the lid and closing it. And you know, a pizza oven has got a small opening covered so you're never really losing any heat regardless of what you do to it, right? But you're always I'm, losing the same amount of heat. So exactly. So every time you open a barbecue, you're losing a lot of heat instantly. Every and time you open the, the fridge, top. you're losing a lot of cold. So that was the problem was like every time I wanted to turn, I needed, I needed to be closed for the dome heat to come down on top of the flatbread, but mm-hmm. I also needed to lift it up, turn it and flip it. So like <laughs> smack it up, up rub it down. Oh yeah. <laughs> but so because of that, I think it cooks slower and slightly more uneven and it's not meant for that necessarily. It's not like it's, you can do it, but it's a very like a pizza oven or the rock box is so specifically for one task for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's so well designed for that. And the big green egg can smoke, it can low cook, it can high cook, it can grill. It's like so it doesn't do any one thing perfectly. It does a bunch of stuff really well. I think I think maybe but the the benefit is you're able to really get that like when you have the tandoori oven, you have the, the dough on like that half deflated football poof thing and you slam it down. You can do that in the egg. You can't do that in, in a pizza oven. Right. Well, the one thing that was fun, so you I know, want you to slam it. I was using whole wood to cook. So, like, I started the must be nice. Yeah. So when I started cooking, it was like two hours before, where I got like some charcoal going, and then put the whole wood logs on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was apple wood. It was great. So that part was fun. And so then you have to wait long enough to break that down, unless you use like a fuel box where you're. You know, when you're cooking with whole wood, it's the same thing as, like, a chimney starter for charcoal. You'll have, like, a fuel box that's basically just, like, a small little brick oven that you're, or whatever, that you're constantly cooking wood in to the point where it gets down to charcoal, breaking it down, and then moving it over. So I had to wait for that wood to break down into kind of charcoal. It was great. It was good. I mean, it was kind of also, too, like, I mean, that's a lot for an evening dinner, but because I'm so starved from having a grill where I live now, just having these small little decks, like going out there and doing something that takes way longer and is just kind of a little bit overkill is fun because it's, I never get to that's, do it. That's a, that's a vacation for you. Yes. Is to get to fire up the old grill. Fire up the grill. Fire up the grill. Get that smell. In the grill. Just get up Nothing better than the, that smell, you know? It. it is fun. Summertime in the LBC, the smell of that charcoal. It's great. Mm. Well, um, what was I going to say? Sorry. 
But you've got you've got some recipes working on for the new the new zine, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I did one. Um, I did a couple different ones. I, I did a meatball. It was it was like a recipe from my first one, but um, I, I was I'm working with like making Italian e kind of lebnes. Like instead of using uh, a cheese like a burrata or a ricotta with a meatball, trying to make like a real creamy cheesy thing made out of yogurt instead. So I had like yogurt, and I mix it up with some smushed up basil and some garlic, and then put it in a nut milk bag and strained all the moisture out of it. So it was like a thick, thick green paste. It was a good vibe. I like it. <laughs> It doesn't no, sound like I'm good trust- No, no, I was thinking about it. It's like, but I've tried some of the things you made, and they're good. But I haven't tried this one yet, so I had to think about it. I like it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, and I'm I'm working on a chicken skin breakfast sandwich, where uh, it's an it's it's also pesto-y with mayonnaise, roasted garlic, and then chicken skin that I put rosemary on, cooked it for an hour. In, in the oven with like sheet pan on top of in between two mm-hmm. sheet pans, so it gets real crunchy, real rosemary ish. What's the ideal bread for that sandwich? I did it with a, a English muffin. It was not ideal. I think the ideal is more of like a soft, mushy roll. Really? I think so. Yeah, because like uh, it's it's so it's like scrambled eggs. Yeah. This pesto aioli, chicken skin. I think you need a biscuit. Um, maybe a biscuit. But like the but any bread's gonna like be too much to take away from the crunch. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, gotta try. You, you're testing it. You know better than me. May, I mean, a biscuit that just screams biscuit to me, and thin, like a thinner than a thicker biscuit. Yeah, but it needs to be able to be strong enough to contain like a big old cheesy melty egg structure. Oh. Something that has a little more resiliency. I see what you're saying. Like a like a soft roll. Maybe you have to do everything. That has a little sweetness. Maybe you have to do everything on a smaller scale. I mean, I can't scramble less than one egg. Am I going to have to make slideies? But what if you start doing ring mold? You start separating the whites, doing the yolk, and then doing really small, like button size sous vide yolks and smaller size, like half dollar sized whites. <laughs> And you create your own sunny side up egg for that sandwich that is not cooked as a sunny side up egg. Mm, okay, so like a ring mold for a sunny side up egg. Or yeah, I don't even know what like like you know picture a tray of ice cubes. They're uh-huh. like the small kind of like, like mm. those size like for a the, chocolate mold kind of thing. Yeah, for the audience and like you know maybe quarter size. Mm-hmm. You do that and just pour egg yolk into it. Cook that until it's or sous vide in some way where it's got because you've been practicing sous vide yolks. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like manufacture your own perfect sunny side up egg on a crazy small scale. That's your egg. Mm-hmm. This know. is this is entering a nice little mini bite hors d'oeuvre style. Yeah, sounds good. Or not even. I mean, it could be mini bite hors d'oeuvre style, but also on the scale that would fit a biscuit well. Because the chicken skin, you can, you know, once it's crispy and done well, you can cut to size. Mm-hmm. You can cut to size whatever you want, so. It's a free country, baby. You but I really, you. but chicken skin, it's so good. It's like my favorite thing to make right now. It's incredible. We have right. a lot of, um. Are you taking, so, okay, so before we go into questions, mm-hmm. are you taking skin off of thighs? Mm-hmm. Or are you getting whole chickens and just like cutting all the skin off? I just got some thighs, yeah. That seems like the move. I think that's the best. Like, it's hard to remove the skin from, like, a drumstick. You're going to get more skin from a packet of thighs than you would the whole chicken anyways. And it's, and it's fattier. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that juicy skin. Okay, we're back. We took a vegan cheese break. I had, to, I had to remove the foil off my meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Um, M-I-Y-O-K-O. Yo, that was going to be my... Favorite thing I ate this week. All right. I got to come up with the second favorite thing I ate this week. All right. We're going into a very... No, because I don't have a favorite thing in, I ate this week. Incredibly sick vegan cheese. We're going to have to riff our favorite thing because I've already talked about my favorite things. Sure. Yeah, this cheese is... 
It, it tastes just like a smoked Gouda. So Samantha from Rainbow Market in San Francisco, or Rainbow Co-op, um, who was on the pod, people really liked it because she's great. Mm-hmm. And she knows an incredible amount of stuff about cheese. Um, a lot of cheese talk. She came down with one of my best friends, her boyfriend, visited me. Uh, that's who I cooked some of the stuff on Big Green Egg for, and she was really sweet enough. And he was. they brought some beer and some cheeses. And they brought down a vegan cheese, and it's one of her favorite things right now to bring to places because you tell people vegan cheese, and they immediately are like, ugh, okay, fine. You know, you think of like, is Daya? Daya's not even vegan. I forget what's vegan. No, that's vegan. Daya's vegan. Mm-hmm. And there's always, they're, they're fine. Ugh. You're they're, like, they're gross. Okay. But if you, the point is like, if you eat cheese, they're not good, mm-hmm. right? They're a health substitute or a dairy-free substitute, but it's not on their own. They're not good. That is true. Nobody and, can argue with that. And she brought this down, and obviously she she's an incredible cheesemonger, and and she loves this and eats this a lot and brings it places. And so I was like, I know I'm going to love it, mm-hmm. but honestly, you close your eyes. I wish she hadn't told me it was vegan because I just would have had it. It's a really nice sharp. It has like a super nice sharp smoked gouda vibe very, to it, very smoky, and, and even looks like a, sh- a smoked gouda. It's dark. It's like a nice dark orange. Um, but I, think, I wish she hadn't told me it was vegan because I just would have sat there for mm-hmm. ten minutes trying to guess what it, what kind of cheese it was. It's I, great. I think I think I think people are learning certain cheeses make better vegan cheeses than others. Right. Where it's like we're not going to make a perfect burrata or a blue. So no. give up on that and see what you can make a very good version of smoked gouda. Apparently, is it's kind of it, it has like a. Tootsie Roll kind of feel in my mouth. Sure. It's a really nice texture. Um, it's slightly different probably than any other cheese, but not that far from it. I mean, and the closest the... might be like a fresh feta as mm. far as texture. But yeah, the yeah. smokiness is really nice, and the sharpness is great, and it doesn't taste... It tastes like cheese. It really does. And I think the main reason is they're using koji right? Um, to like koji bacteria spores to get the live cultures to make it all funky and stuff. But it's just cashews and miso and garbanzo beans. But we have to shout out, we haven't said the name yet, Miyoko's Creamery. Miyoko's Creamery. (laughs) Aged English smoked farmhouse. Vegan, non-dairy, organic, handcrafted in California. If you're vegan, if you're lactose intolerant, but also how much did this brick cost? You know, it's on the arm when you know Samantha, dog. I know, but like this is the kind of cheese... I didn't ask. That's, that would have been a good question. I, I mean... A, I don't think this is going to be inexpensive. Oh, wait. Is there a price tag on the back? No, it's got a... Date. I'm going to say this is like a 15. Yeah, 10, 15. But that's... I mean, it's a big... It's a big hunk. It's like a nice... Like, wedge of brie. It's a nice big it's old hunk. It's a large piece. It's a nice big old hunk. But anyways, that that was a surprise. I've never had... A vegan product, a vegan cheese product that came close to as much as I like that. It's the impossible burger of vegan cheeses. For sure. Man, these kids, they don't know what they've got nowadays. Ugh. All we could eat was... Tater tots and veginets. Tater tots and veginets. Um, we have some Twitter questions. No. Round things out, baby. <sighs> they're, Let's do it. They're from last week, though. Okay. But it's that's fine. Rachel... <clears throat> Rachel says sf burritos trash or treasure mm, i take the fifth you take the fifth well like an sf burrito it's like a mission style burrito it's, actually it's i was just trash i was <laughs> trash you don't like a mission burrito what's not to like hell no i mean I, <laughs> look i i mean i'm from northern california and i have many friends that live in san francisco and and swear by it but it's just an overstuffed football of bland rice and just some <laughs> okay meats, I guess, and like just stuff. <laughs> like less is more, baby. Less is more for a burrito for you. Hundred percent. Greatest burrito in the entire world exists in Santa Cruz, California, at Tacos Morenos, the El Pastor Tacos Morenos burrito. And I've taken people from, and obviously I grew up there, but I've taken people from all over the country internationally this place and they will agree that the small corn quesadillas there and the al pastor burritos are like in top 10 greatest things they've ever eaten what's this place called tacos morenos 
Tacos Marinos in Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz, California. This Wait. is interesting because I don't think I've ever heard you talk about this to me. Oh, I've told you if we ever go to Monterey, we're going to Tacos Marinos. Mm, okay, so what is in this burrito that is so good? Just beans. Uh, Just beans. Al pastor, a little salsa. That's about it. Flour tortilla. Really? So it is super simple. Very simple. Beans, meat, a little salsa. It's incredible. Maybe some onions or something. Yeah, they have like a. It's like yeah, they've got like some onion, a little cilantro, kind of like a no guacamole, no cheese, no. You cream. can get that, but that's not that's you, not how you. So originally they just had the one style, and then like I think like in the nineties they kind of came up with like the super when that was popular, and I think mm-hmm. they were competing with another kind of popular taqueria, El Super. So you get the super, and that has like cheese, sour cream, and guacamole in it. But it's that's not it's all that stuff. I love sour cream. I love going super when I when I hit a burrito. I love sour cream, but in this burrito, it takes away from how incredible the this this al pastor is. The amount of restraint that you're showing right now is inspiring. I just I, I and so their corn quesadillas is, is a small corn tortilla um, that they I think they somewhere between a burrito and a taco. No, like a taco, like a smaller, like a taco size. Like a taco so, size. So the quesadilla, so it's basically is a taco at the end of the day, mm. but they call it a corn quesadilla. See, um, and so that's got, I think they oil it on both sides, fry it on a plancha, and then put a little bit of cheese, and then just beans and salsa and cabbage. Oh, there's, I think there's cabbage in the burrito too, um, mm. and that folded Very up. Santa Cruz. It just sounds. It's one of those great things where you describe it on paper and you're like. Oh, boring, and I can make it. And you have it there, and like, you don't mm, know how to duplicate it. Is this a cabbage quesadilla? Yum. And you don't know how to duplicate it, and it's just incredible. Um, and they're, they have one kind of salsa. Well, they might have added a new salsa that you get with chips. But basically, there's a squeeze bottle on every table with uh, a dark salsa that is incredible. And mm. really perishable. Like, if you get it in a to-go container... Um, if the next day, it's kind of um, disgusting. Not disgusting, but it's fermented a little, and like the bottle will be, or like the little container will be kind of like pushed out, and like the lid might it's even probiotic. I'm not probiotic, but whatever they're doing, like that salsa is made every single day because it can't survive. They're making moonshine down there, probably hooch. Um, but Mission Burrito, I mean, I've had them. Uh, many times, and they're great drunk food. I mean, I mean, I think they're pretty popular, kind of mm-hmm. late night too. Mm-hmm. But on a scale, they're fine. They're not trash. They're fine. Mm-hmm. But like, they're f- so far down my list on favorite burritos. But it's when incredible. you're from that area, you really have to draw your line in the stands on how you stand on that opinion. I'm assuming. I mean, I guess it's like I grew up in Santa Cruz, which is an hour south of San Francisco. It's not. It's not. Like all of Northern California has serves Mission burritos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very much a specific thing. Um, I'm okay with it, Rachel. Uh, I just yeah, they're fine. I don't, they're not trash, but no, Rachel, I don't like them. Um, Rachel also asks, "Is Froyo finally uncool?" I say yes, for it sure, is. for sure. But I like it. I don't it's like it. Very uncool. I think. Do you think third wave ice cream has smashed out Froyo? I just think ice cream's really heavy. It it's, is. it's it's usually like I eat ice cream a couple times a year and love it. A couple times a year. But pretty much a couple times a year. Well, and I also always eat ice cream by itself. Like I don't ever eat it with a meal. Like it's like it'll be a hot day. Like, oh, it sounds kind of fun. I think mm-hmm. ice cream is like so heavy just to kill on something where it's like, ooh, it makes me feel I do not feel good after eating a, like a large meal and then having ice cream. I used to not feel good, but now I've embraced it. Mm. Just embrace not feeling good? No, I mean, it's just like, you know, you play through the pain, and you do it for a while, and then one day your body can just eat ice cream every day. I don't eat ice cream every day, but like, you know. Unfortunately, the body has the ability to grow accustomed to eating Taco Bell every day, for instance. I only get one kind of froyo though, which is the tart, and then I put a bunch of like, gross cereals at the topping station like fruity pebbles and granola and i really love like the texture of the tart that's what i order too but like sometimes but it's such like the boba balls like such a wussy order though you know sure but i like it i like it too 
I don't. I mean, I don't. Here's the thing. I, it's a false premise that Froyo was ever cool. I mean, I mean to I guess, say like, I never went anywhere with my friends for frozen yogurt. Was just like Saturday it was, frozen yogurt. It was a thing. It was like I don't remember when that Pinkberry thing. and Yogurtland was I at its Pinkberry peak. having a line at its peak. I think I it was at its peak. It was like a. It was a thing that you would do. It was like a social event that you would go to with some friends, and there'd be like cool kids there as well sometimes and you it was like hanging out at the coffee shop kind of thing i don't remember that so if that happened then i didn't know i mean i'm more of a social butterfly than you but we talked about yes but we talked about this like just me and you a week ago how i was saying i still really like just tart frozen yogurt and you're like i'm over i don't like it at all i was like but you used to why do you not like it at all i don't know i'm born again baby yeah i got a taste of a regular old ice cream vanilla Ugh. It's like also mm. it's because on the sugar spectrum Give of things, even though I just touted the benefits of nerd ropes, <laughs> that's one exception. I usually like things. Yo, nerd rope ice cream so less sweet. Nerd rope swirl than most. Okay, I'm in. Ugh. Tell me where to get it. <laughs> Sorry, no, go but ahead. On the normal spectrum of things, I just like things a lot less sweet. And always, for the most part, ice cream is going to be kind of oversweet. But I that's will- where that's where the third wave of ice cream. No, is I've trying to help third, out, I've and I, obviously waves. you've had it. We've been to Salt and Straw. We've been to Jenny's. Been to mm-hmm. we go. But do you together. find there that third wave ice cream, the new current hip cough uh, ice cream, to be less sweet than sure than well, going to Baskin Robbins? Depending on the flavor. I mean, I've never been to Baskin Robbins. Must be nice. I will say, I will tear up a chocolate malted crunch scoop from Thrifties. Of course, that goes deep. It goes deep into my soul. Mint chip. Goes one very deep into my rainbow sherbet. I had a ch- I had a chocolate malted crunch. Also, when I say I have ice cream like twice a year, that does not include thrifties because I hit thrifties like six times a year. I know you would be eating ice cream. Way had more one a than couple that. weeks ago. Do you remember when we used to live together and we would buy the carton of um, chocolate malted crunch and then the packet of thrifties cones <laughs> and make our own cones and chocolate malted crunch at the house? I do remember that, but instead of it being we, it was you. Because I never did that, but you did that. I was not. I was not a chocolate malted crunch eater. I was a mint chip boy. I don't even know how to respond to this. <laughs> and it's okay if you want to live that life. Like I, I respect it. Were they sugar cones, or they were probably not sugar cones either, right? No, they were always plain cones. Because I'm a sugar. I never eat a plain. Oh, I'm a, always a plain. Never a sugar. Never a waffle. Always plain. This is fucked up. You're a monster. <laughs> You're a monster. I am the monster in the story. I agree. This is very. I'll give you that. The sugar I'll cone is the wheat thin of ice cream cones, and the Triscuit is the plain. I'm but, having a hard time because I like both. It could be. I like better. both Triscuit and and wheat. And thin. I, you like both plain and sugar too. Do you do you dislike a sugar cone? No, no, it's not inedible, but it's not. It's definitely not, not the first inedible. pick. Sugar cone is better. Sugar cone is not better. <laughs> you get like the nice neutral flavor from the non-sugar cone mixed with like the melted ice cream that Who goes hurt onto you? it. <laughs> Where did he touch you? <laughs> what in the world is wrong? Um, okay, next question. This is good. this is going to be a question for you, Andre. This is Mike Cord. DJ Alos. DJ Alos. Favorite food scene dish from a movie or TV show? Dang. Big Night. Just the whole movie Big Night? Or is there a specific scene? I mean, just the whole movie is such a celebration of of restaurants and cooking and brothers and big meals and... Like, yeah, I mean... All the good stuff. I would say Big Night. I'm trying to think now... I mean, I guess the end of Big Night were, like, the final culmination where they have the Big Night and the dinner service is successful. But it's also a great movie, too, so it's kind of hard to separate that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listen... I mean, Forrest Gump. There's a lot of shrimp going on. I love shrimp. Man, I never liked the shrimp jokes. Um, No, shrimp jokes are terrible. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other is another great cooking. But you, but if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen Big Night, I'm sure a lot of you have. But it's it's regarded as the best food 
movie ever, I guess? Nay, I mean, yeah, I think so. But it was also such a great, like, it was an era in the 90s where it was, like, a small independent film with great actors, Stanley Tucci, and, like, had a great soundtrack. And with these two Italian brothers running an Italian restaurant, and they've got a big, I won't spoil it, but they've there's, supposedly there's a big celebrity coming in, and they're making this special meal that they never make, but it's, it's reserved, and it's an old family recipe, and it's really complicated. Why and, didn't you tell me Adam Sandler coming? Yeah, exactly. The cobbler is here! <laughs> um, We're expecting Adrian Grenier from Entourage. But... I don't know what's another great food movie. I mean, my one of my favorite scenes that's not a real favorite, but it's so funny to me is in the movie Chef. I was going to say Chef is like a more recent version of like not. I don't even like that movie. I don't really. I don't like that movie either. But in Chef, the funniest cooking scene ever happens where John Favreau he's he's divorced his wife, who's what's her name from Modern Family, Sofia Vergara. Right, right, right. Is his ex-wife it's spicy. So like a very hot Latina woman, and he's like a schlubby chef guy, and now he's like dating, moonlighting with Scarlett Johansson. So he and he makes her like a pasta dish while she's like watching him in the kitchen in his like studio apartment in Venice. And then like John Favreau is able to seduce Scarlett Johansson and Sofia Vergara because he make a pasta. Make a pasta, and I'm like. It must be nice to star in your own movies because you get to cast yourself as a dude who can do that. I mean, so the question, but the also qu- the question is from like a feature film, like a narrative, because that just as movie or TV. I mean, Jiro dreams of sushi is something that you oh. watch that and you just like you're like, oh, I'm going to eat sushi for no every meal for the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying Jesus so. If you keep documentaries on, out dude. of it. What else? Documentary. What else? There's, I mean, there's got to be a couple I'm missing. Have you, how, have you ever experienced that that Favreau sensation where you've made a dish for a lady and it just swept them off their feet, had some butterflies flying around, and if so, what was that dish? I found that that dish is often pasta related. Oh, it's always pasta related, hundred percent. What's up with pasta speaking to the women? I don't know. It's speak to the women, and I like that. It's like perfume and makeup. They're ugly and they smell bad. I don't know. There's something about pasta. <laughs> so have you ever? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't. Oh God! I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I've had that happen to me too from other people cooking. I think you know yeah? when somebody who likes to cook has a signature dish. Or something that they do really well, even if it's something as simple as like... These are my snickerdoodles. I don't know. I've been making no, them like sometimes. even school. like rice and beans. I make rice and beans really well. When you have rice and beans, you're like, these are incredible. Did you have a lady make you rice and beans? And you were like, oh my God. No, but I think any, I think any dish you make well when you cook and, and somebody watches you do it, I think it's... I know she ain't doing it's it. It's intoxicating. And, and it's mm-hmm. also... And, and that applies to... I mean, food is different because it's very sensual... But when you watch somebody do their art well, whatever yeah. it is, it, it's intoxicating. That's true. So, but food's different. When you watch somebody just really bang out tangible. a crossword puzzle really well, you're like, nut. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if you just, like when you're on the plane, you see somebody just smashing that Sudoku, you're like, yeah, yeah. what's your name? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? But like not, but like playing it on like an ethereal level, like... Speaking to the gods with that Sudoku. But I know what you mean. It's true. So, I mean, but food also takes that takes a, a special place and that you're sharing it, you're eating it, you're creating it. It's like, Slurping you know, it. it's very organic in the sense that you're like you're creating something. So and if you dangerous. see somebody play tennis really well, that's one thing that's also highly charged. But it's like, it's not something like I'm taking these things and putting it together and now you're eating it. And it's, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think... Pasta is a good example, but it's also really, really special, well-put-together comfort food, which pasta obviously is on the top of a lot of people's lists. Mm-hmm. But, like, you make somebody something, you know, that you're going for, like, a Noma dish with, like, infused, like, mm-hmm. like peat moss with, like, mm-hmm. ant chips. <laughs> it's like, they're like, this is cool. But you make them something that's like the whole house fills with a smell. Or just like I made a perfect scrambled egg. Right. Or like a piece of toast with butter on it 
just yes. done really perfectly well. Yeah. And then you're like, mm. But then also pasta. You're going to have probably some wine with the pasta. I mean, yeah, pasta, it's always, that's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah, fellas, if you're listening, if you're not listening, because we only have older women who are our podcast demographic, which my mom wanted to text me and point out to me earlier this week. Shout-outs, uh, Karen, shout-outs, Sh- Jill. That's right. Um, next question, are people that order dessert at lunch insane? No, not at shout all. Shout-outs to Holly. <laughs> not at all? Wait, shout-outs to who? Um, Holly. Holly, just Holly. Holly, at Holly Dovell. Um, no, but I would never do it. I've ordered dessert at lunch, but it's only on a rare occasion where the dessert is not to be missed. I'll do it when I go to, like... No. 100%. No, like, if there's... Like, I'll order something stupid, like, I'll order anything if it's not to be missed at lunch. That's stupid. And if that means dessert, absolutely. If it means ordering, well, I'm going to get this, and then you have to also have to try the steak at lunch. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to get a steak at lunch, which... Fine. I would say I would like, say my my favorite lunch dessert is if I go to like Apple Pan or mm-hmm. Pine Burger and get a little slice. Yeah, you eat the burger. Don't get the fries. Don't fill up on the fries. No. Fries yeah. are not very good. At Apple Pan. And then um, you, you get for Act Two, you get a cup of coffee, slice of pie, or cobbler. Mm. No, uh, I mean, cobbler's great. Cobbler's good. Pie better. What's your favorite pie? I mean, I really like a banana cream pie. What about key lime? I love a really good key lime. Love key lime. Joe Stone crab key lime. Fuck me up, baby. Also, pie's key lime wasn't bad. I was thinking about um, yeah, it was not bad at all. It was good. I was thinking about like how you make banana cream pie. You just like mix cream with gelatin and you let it set. Is that kind of how you do it? No, I think you mix like banana and like. You mix banana and wafers and gelatin, and the cream just right. Gets but, but, I'm, on top. but I'm saying there is gelatin in oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I would imagine for sure. Have you Having ever, never made it, but the ones that I've tried, yeah, I would think so. I was thinking about making like a horchata pie. Yeah. Of that same method with bananas. I don't know. Are the bananas integ- integral for the for the process? But also that horchata is going to be real chalky. You would have to find like a binding agent that would be neutral enough. I mean, gelatin is very neutral too, so you could play around with the ratios. But you would, I mean, horchata is so delicate in the sense that like a good horchata, you're really tasting the actual rice milk. Like the rice milk has a texture, mm-hmm. just almost milk, but still a little bit of rice. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're tasting the starch from the rice. Mm-hmm. You're tasting the cinnamon and the clove, and like there's a lot going on that's so delicate that. Even something is ne- fucking weird when you it really is. look at it, and a really good one is really like hard to find. But sublime, and a lot of honey. But anything even neutral and delicate, like gelatin, still gonna be a filler. That's gonna still mm-hmm. it'll kind suck of, it all together. It'll take up some space and kind of detract from the subtleness of that. But I think it's worth a try. I think it'll be chalky. And I think if you strain mm. the horchata too much, then it's going to lose its creaminess. I don't see chalky. I just see kind of like you're losing Isn't some ho- of the... Horchata is pretty damn chalky by nature. I don't find it chalky at all. I find it to be starchy. But chalky is like... Chalky by nature? Chalky, chalky by nature is my new ska band. Ska, starchy, not chalky. Yes. We are really disagreeing on a lot of things. This is interesting and I like it. I don't even know who you are. Anymore. Um, at Steadily Mobbing, I left a previously open bottle of QP Mayo out <laughs> overnight. Will eating it kill me? I don't mean the whole thing at once. 100% not. You're fine. I also disagree with most like, food safety laws in the world. That's true. You'll just lick a, lick a deer. No, I just like, I mean, there's certain things where... I mean, I'm very wash clean and I'm very safe about certain things, but also I, I think there's, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, don't throw ro- that QP away. It's like, you should definitely wash anything that raw chicken touches, but you should also not be scared of raw chicken. 
it's fine. Like it's you know, like at the end of the day, like feels good. It depends on where you're getting your meats, how they're sourced. It's like running if a you red buy light. Something, if you buy something from Albertsons or Ralph's, be very cons- be aware of like how that meat's touching and where it's coming from. If you buy something from a farmer's market. Be less concerned. It's less factory farmed. I mean, it's all about where it's coming from. If it's expensive, you you're going to be fine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, we're we're at the end of our show. We're going to talk about the best thing that we ate, but we already sort of talked about it. Yeah, which is unfortunate. So, I mean, the best thing I ate was probably just a plate full of truffles and beef carpaccio, which obviously is going to be fantastic. Um, I had a really fun. Fisherman's fried platter at Ashuk's <laughs> Oyster Bar in Carmel. Ashuk's. Ashuk's. What was the shining star of Ashuk's? They did so. It's a mix of fish, calamari, and shrimp, prawns. But Ooh. it's one of those times when you taste something where it's a fried platter that could be you could have very low quality mm-hmm. kind of fish, prawns, and. Immediately, you're just like, oh, my God, this is, like, A1. This is really high-quality everything. Like, the prawn was just incredible. Like, there was, like, two two or three prawns and two pieces of fish and a bunch of calamari. All of that's coming out of the bay right there. And it was just, like, it was just so good. In a moment where this is a simple dish, just fried food. But when you pair that with really nice local seafood, it, really, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Great. So just real simple, done well. Mm-hmm. Was Great your, batter. Came out hot. What was your favorite of those fishies? The prawns. Prawns. And I'm, I'll eat that prawn tail. Mm. I'll hit the prawn tail. You eat the whole tail? I'll get down to the tail, leave a little meat on the tail, dip it in the cocktail sauce, tail goes down. <laughs> if it's good and it's like well battered. When you say leave a little meat on the tail, what do you mean by that? Because the tail has no meat. It's got a little bit of meat. If you oh, leave, oh, like like, the, like, just, just like that little top tube where it connects to the actual yeah. fin of the tail. Exactly. Isn't it so weird that we're just talking about like a creature and like all the body parts that we eat about it? <laughs> if you're any shrimps listening, we're sorry. But it's great. And the oysters, we had a, a dozen oysters. Great. And they had, you know, nice beers from Carmel and Monterey on there. And oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. Well, <clears throat> if you learned anything this week, guys... The quality of your ingredients really matter the most. From truffles to prawns. To prawn tails. So step your money up, guys. <laughs> oh, God. Thestewpodcast.com is where everything lives. Andre Kanapar has no social media. Sorry. Me at them jeans. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.